We welcome you again to the Radio Bible Course and our study of Thessalonians. Today we're going into the background of this epistle, and that takes us to the book of Acts. The visit of Paul to Thessalonica is recorded in Acts chapter 17. He and Silas and Timothy had just left Philippi. They had been jailed there, and having been released and urged to leave the city, they traveled west and by and by came to Thessalonica. But here's how chapter 17 begins. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and for three weeks he argued with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, This Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded, and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked fellows of the rabble, they gathered a crowd, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the people. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brethren before the city authorities, crying, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also, and Jason has received them. And they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the people and the city authorities were disturbed when they heard this. And when they had taken security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. It is obvious that Paul had a very short visit in Thessalonica. When he got there, he did what he usually does. He went to the synagogue. Why? Because he was a Jew, and there were people of God in that synagogue. They were people of the Scriptures. So what better place to start his evangelistic work than with people who respected God and who had God's Word? So it tells us that for three weeks he argued with them from the Scriptures. For three weeks, that means... He may have arrived at the beginning of a week and the following Sabbath day, and the following week and another Sabbath day, and the following week and still another Sabbath day, perhaps as much as, but no more than, five weeks total he was in this city. That would cover the three Sabbath days. Now, that doesn't mean that Paul did not do any preaching except on the Sabbath day, it was on the Sabbath day that he went into the synagogues. But knowing Paul, he would have been busy throughout the week talking to people, explaining more things to people who had questions after he spoke to them in the synagogue. So there was much more ministry than simply three sermons on the Sabbath day, as some people would like to believe. It says he argued with them from the scriptures. That means he was preaching from the Old Testament. And, of course, that's what the apostles and the early Christians used. They didn't have a New Testament until later in the first century. Those first Christian evangelists preached what Moses had said about the coming Christ and what Isaiah and Hosea 
And Jeremiah and other prophets said about this one who would be sent by God from heaven. So he argued with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead. Someone might say, why didn't he preach the gospel instead? Well, the death of Jesus Christ and his suffering, along with his resurrection, is the gospel. It's the good news that God sent Christ, and that name means the anointed one of God. God sent this anointed one to pay for our sins by suffering for them and dying. But the Old Testament also foretold that God would not allow his body to see decay, that he would raise him from the dead, which he did. Now, Paul had to explain to these Thessalonians something that Jesus himself had to explain to his own disciples, because they didn't believe that he would rise from the dead. And in the last chapter of the Gospel of Luke, we find Jesus meeting a couple of disciples on the road to Emmaus, and they were grieving over the fact that Jesus Christ had been crucified. Well, finally, Jesus made his identity known, and then he began to explain to them how it was necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory. Well, that was something new to them, even though Jesus had talked about the resurrection often during his ministry on earth during those three and a half years. The apostles somehow never could grasp that. They were great doubters at first until they could touch him and talk with him after the resurrection. If Jesus had not risen from the dead, Paul would have been wasting his time preaching about Jesus. Who wants to believe in a dead Christ? The message of the Christian faith is not about a man named Jesus who lived 2,000 years ago. The message of the church today is that the historic Jesus of 2,000 years ago is alive and is living that he was resurrected, he walked on the earth, he showed himself to over 500 brethren at once, he showed himself to the apostles, and then he ascended into heaven and promised to return. Now that's good news, that Jesus Christ is alive. We preach on this program, and I hope all churches would preach it, that Jesus Christ, who was crucified for our sins, has fulfilled the scriptures, and God raised him from the dead. Now, if he's living, and he's in heaven, he must be divine. Jesus never claimed to be merely a man. He claimed to be the Son of God, the unique Son of God, and that's what the apostles claimed for him. Well, Paul told those Thessalonians that this Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. Now, what's that mean? Well, some people think that Christ is his last name and Jesus is his first name. Not so. Jesus is the name given to the man, that baby born of the virgin in Bethlehem, fulfilling the prophecy of Micah chapter 5, verse 2, is none other than the promised 
anointed one of the Old Testament, otherwise known as Christ. In the Hebrew Scriptures, the name of that person, for the anointed one, that is, is Messiah. In the New Testament, the Greek word is Christos, or Christ. Well, Paul wanted to explain and prove that Jesus, the one they talked about who went to the cross, who was a good man, who spoke for God, but finally his life was taken from him, is the Christ of the Old Testament prophets. And verse 4 in Acts 17 tells us that some of those people were persuaded. And what did they do? They joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women. It's interesting that never in the Bible, when we have anyone preaching the gospel, was an invitation given. You see, the gospel message is an invitation from God. And a human who is preaching the gospel does not need to give an invitation unless he doesn't preach the gospel, which is the case in many churches today. If we explain what God has already done... That message will include God's invitation for men to believe and receive eternal life through faith by the grace of God. The reason people believed in Paul's day was that the message which he preached was good news. Now, you can preach news, and you can preach the Bible, but unless you make it good news, people aren't going to believe it. In the first place, they need to know that it's good and how good it is. For some reason, some preachers don't want it to be too good. They don't want people to know that they are set free completely of the law of Moses. They don't want them to know that they are completely forgiven of all their past sins as well as their future sins. They seem to be afraid to tell them what David said. In Psalm 32, Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not charge his sin. The forgiveness of all sins is great news. And the reason it's good news is because the Son of God died once for all sin of all men for all time and never needs to die again, nor does anyone else. Now, this is astounding news. It is almost incredible. Think of it. The gospel announces a permanent cure for the sin problem that exists between man and God. And the Bible tells us that because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which was to pay for man's sin, that men can be reconciled to God through faith. While our bodies, which are made of flesh and blood, are corruptible and will die, the spirit will never die. Death in the Bible often means separation from God eternally. That kind of death the Christian will never face because someone else died for him. Now, in the short time remaining, let me tell you a little more about Thessalonica. It was named for the half-sister of Alexander the Great in 315 B.C. 
it became the capital of one of the four parts of Macedonia when the Romans conquered Greece. And of course, Thessalonica is in Greece. It was basically a Greek city, although many Romans were there and many Jews. They had a synagogue unlike Philippi. Now it's interesting that Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, points out three groups of people here. He said there were some Jews, a great multitude of Greeks, and many chief women. These are people who followed Paul. Now, most of the people in Thessalonica were Gentiles who had become Jewish proselytes, having been disappointed with the absurdity of polytheism and the immorality of the pagan religions. Compared to Judaism, those pagan religions were empty. In tomorrow's broadcast, we're going to discuss the first verses of chapter 1 of Thessalonians. What were you taught as a child that you needed to do to be accepted by God and to enter heaven? Most people say, keep the Ten Commandments. And some people say, and pray. Is that what the Bible teaches? Where in the Bible does it tell us that if we keep the Ten Commandments, we can get eternal life? Someone isn't preaching the gospel. People are confused, and we don't want you to be confused. We want to send you our little booklet entitled Heaven's Password. It will explain what God's standard is for acceptance into his heaven, right? For your free copy today. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.com.